Good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Ginny and I'm the children's minister here at Calvary. We are so glad to have you here. It's such a joy to be together in this place and to worship as the family of God this Easter Sunday. If you are new to Calvary, a special welcome to you. We are so glad to have you here. I would invite you to fill out the visitor card, which you'll find in the pew in front of you. This will help us to get connected with you and also get you plugged in here at Calvary. If you would like to share a prayer concern or know more about our ministries, the visitor card also has a place where you can indicate those things and you can put those in the offering plate later on in the service. You'll need a couple of things to navigate today's worship service. You'll need a worship folder that looks like this and you'll need one of the blue hymnals that looks like this from the pew in front of you. You should have also received a colorful bracelet like this one that says, God always surprises when you walked in. And that's the truth, isn't it? We have spent the past six weeks journeying together through the darkness of Lent, holding our pain to the light of Christ and remembering that he is always with us. But this Sunday morning, something new awaits us. We are reminded as the women at the tomb were that God always surprises. And what a wonderful surprise it is to find that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is risen. You're already great at this. Well, let's begin our worship by proclaiming this good news alongside Christians all over the world who are sharing the same greeting. Sounds like you already know it, but it goes, I'll say Christ is risen, and you'll respond, he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. As we declare these words, may their brightness pierce through the deepest and darkest of pains, reminding us that not even death has the power to overcome our Lord. For after death comes resurrection. Christ is risen.
Let us pray. O most gracious heavenly Lord, having come through the darkness of Good Friday and Saturday, we come here this morning to bask in the radiant light of your resurrection. Having been buried with Christ in our baptism, like him, we have been raised to walk in newness of life, not only this day, but every day. And so in the midst of the darkness of our lives and of our world, we proclaim that you are the God of light and life. You are the God of hope and new beginnings. You are the God of creation and recreation. You are making all things new in ways we could never imagine. You are the God of surprises. And so we gather this morning as your Easter people to proclaim the surprising news that Jesus Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen. Thank you. 
A reading from the Gospel of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have lain him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Yeah. 
the grave he arose, he arose, with a mighty triumph for his foes, he arose, he arose, a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign, he office one day for what felt like the millionth time and a little girl looked up at her mom and said mommy that girl doesn't look sick why is she here people have no idea how painful it is to live with an invisible disease daily I have to ask myself is it going to hurt today no one knows what that feels like from the outside looking in as many of you know I have JIA or juvenile idiopathic arthritis I was diagnosed when I was five years old, and at that point, the pain was manageable and minimal. Like many of you, I thought only older people could get arthritis. As the years went on, I had a lot to deal with related to my arthritis, and I have endured what not many 12-year-olds have had to deal with. Constant pain, steroid shots, 17 pills a day, five major surgeries, a bacterial infection, two surgical procedures, multiple MRIs, and having to give myself two shots a week are a part of my story. In 2018, I had two surgeries within four months of each other, and I even started middle school in a wheelchair, which was also very hard on me. At one point, my mom asked me how I did things without complaining. My exact words were, I just pushed through the pain. Sometimes when I would sit alone in my wheelchair, I would feel different from everyone else. I would ask myself, why did God choose me? Am I not enough for God? Why do I have to live with this? I know God loves everyone, but sometimes when I felt so hopeless, it was hard to remember that. The emotions have been a very difficult part of my journey. I was so tired of people pitying me, telling me they understood what I was going through, and I hated asking everyone for help. At times, I thought the surgeries and the bad news would never end. God has shown up for me in those moments of hopelessness and brokenness. I think in the moments when I felt hopeless, I would ask, why me? Why do bad things happen to good people? When I asked myself those questions, I had to remember that God was with me and that God would help me find a light at the end of the tunnel. God was telling me to be brave and to be strong. 
I have learned a lot about God through my journey with arthritis. God has created me to be a person who can do hard things. And like a strong friend says to me, life is tough, but so are you. It is still difficult some days, but God gives me the strength to keep going. As we celebrate Easter today and I think about my own story, God has given me hope when I least expect it. God's presence gives me strength in my weakest moments. I have learned to hold on to the hope Jesus gives, and that reminds me of what Jeremiah 29:11 says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. I have decided not to sit in the hopelessness because I know that God has a great plan for my life.
And now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One day, the absolute best person that the world has ever seen or encountered lay dead in a tomb. Throughout his life, he loved people with great abandon in ways that no one else could ever really understand. He saw people whom others usually ignored or mistreated and welcomed them in. And he served people unconditionally, always putting others before himself. With him, there was always more than enough food to eat, always an outstretched hand, always an abundance. He met anxiety with peace, fear with great courage, sin and shame with forgiveness, and despair with hope. And his radical way of living completely turned the world upside down. For those who had journeyed with him and followed him, his death was the end of their world. They loved him, even when they didn't understand him, even when they couldn't possibly believe what he was trying to say, even when the life that he called them toward was hard. They were still drawn to him because they knew that God had been made flesh in him in a way that had never happened before and now it would never happen again. His death was the end of the road for them. All of their hope had been buried in the grave right along with him. But early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to his tomb. And it wasn't a sunny Easter morning like we often see in children's storybooks. It was still dark. She didn't come to his tomb with even one small speck of hope that day. She came to grieve. And somehow she found her way through the dark all the way to the tomb. But when she got there, Mary saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance to the tomb. She immediately began to panic. She ran at once to her friends, some of the disciples, and said, They have taken our Lord away from the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Well, at once, Peter and another disciple ran as fast as they possibly could to the tomb. They looked inside to see linen cloths lying on the ground, and the kerchief that had been used to cover Jesus' head was folded neatly by itself. Peter wasn't quite sure what to think. He stood there quietly pondering the scene, not saying anything at all. But the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, took one look at that room and scripture says he believed. All the while, Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Finally, someone said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? 
Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have taken his body, please just tell me where it is. But then this gardener man said her name. And just the sound of his voice resurrected her heartbroken soul. She looked up and cried out, Teacher! And in an instant, her world was changed forever. Our world was changed forever because Jesus was alive. Friends, this story from the Gospel of John is the reason we are all here today on Easter Sunday. It is the story of our faith that Christ is risen Have you ever noticed in this story how everyone's responses to the empty tomb are so different? First, there was Peter. And the last time we saw him, he was denying that he even knew who Jesus was. So he comes to the empty tomb with some baggage. As he observes the scene, he remains silent and skeptical of it all. And there's no indication that he believed anything in this moment. Then there's the person called the beloved disciple. We aren't given his name, but he runs so fast that he beats Peter to the tomb, and we are told that he steps inside, sees the garments neatly folded there, and he believes almost instantaneously. And then there's Mary, who goes to the tomb while it is still dark. And in her shock and her grief, she believes that they've stolen Jesus's body. She just can't imagine any other alternative. And so she stands outside the tomb and she weeps. I don't know about you, but I actually find great comfort in these different responses because they remind me that there is room for all of us, for all of our different expressions of faith or even lack thereof in the Easter story. And so if you're here today and you have some doubts, if you have some baggage related to this whole Jesus thing, and you're not so sure about the resurrection or what it really means, maybe you're quietly observing everything that's going on. Or if you're here and you just couldn't get here fast enough today and you could burst with excitement at the news that Jesus is alive if the songs that we sing and the texts we read today resonate so strongly and deeply within you. Or if you're here today and you have been navigating your way through the dark this week, maybe it was a struggle to get here today. Maybe you're heartbroken and find yourself weeping. Maybe you don't know how there could possibly be any good news for you today. Know that there is space for all of us on Easter. But wherever you find yourself this morning, I also believe that there is a surprise in store for all of us. Just as there was that very first Easter, if you and I will be open to that. Because the overwhelming message of Easter is that God always surprises Pastor John Claypool said it best. He said, when you come in contact with the God depicted in the Bible, you might as well get ready for surprises. 
because the truth of the matter is his ways are not as our ways, nor are his thoughts as our thoughts. Across the centuries, God has proved to be a strange combination of faithfulness and unpredictability, and God has been that way from the very beginning. God can always be depended on, but never anticipated precisely. Again and again, surprise has proved to be God's other name. Friends, did you come here today expecting God to surprise you this morning? Or do you think you already know how the story ends? You see, I would assume that the vast majority of us think we already know how the Easter story goes. Many of us have heard the story so often that we've lost any element of surprise within it. And when you and I are so convinced that we already know the outcome, when we think we've already got it all figured out, it leaves no room for surprises. And frankly, it leaves no room for God, because God's other name is surprise. But the challenge is that our brains aren't wired to know what to do with surprises. We so badly want to know how the story ends. It's why we're always tempted to read the last page of the book first, or why we always keep clicking next episode, because we can't stand not knowing what happens next. And even when we don't know the rest of the story, even without realizing we're doing it, we'll just make up our own versions of what's going on. In her book, Rising Strong, social work professor Brene Brown says that in the absence of data, we will always make up our own stories. It's how we are wired. In fact, the need to make up a story, especially when we are hurt, is part of our most primitive survival wiring. Meaning-making is in our biology, and our default is often to come up with a story that makes sense, feels familiar, and offers insight into how best to self-protect. And isn't that exactly what we find Mary Magdalene doing here in John's Gospel? When she comes to the empty tomb and sees the stone has been rolled away, she already knows exactly what has happened. Immediately, the story she tells herself and others is that someone has taken Jesus' body. It's how she self-protects. That's how she makes sense of it all. Even when Jesus appears to her face to face, she tells herself that he's just the gardener because she can't begin to imagine another possible way for the story to end. It's too painful, too vulnerable to consider anything else. Until suddenly Jesus calls her by name. And in an instant, Mary realizes that the way she thought the story ended was not an ending at all. In fact, it was only the beginning because God's other name is Surprise. But the reality is that being open to a God of surprises is more challenging than we might think. Because to be people who expect God to surprise us means resisting the urge to finish the story ourselves. It means trusting God even when we have absolutely no clue what the outcome will be. Two weeks ago, our dear friend Brenda Bradley was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. 
It has been a difficult couple of weeks for the Bradley family, and we are overjoyed that Brenda is here with us in worship today. The Bradleys have been sharing daily updates on their caring bridge. There's a link to that site in the tower if you haven't seen it. But this morning I wanted to share some of their words that have been particularly meaningful to me this week. Randall wrote, there is no doubt that this experience has changed us and is changing us. Yesterday, when searching for an email, I found myself back to emails received on Thursday, April 4th, and I immediately thought that was before. And I'm realizing now that our concept of time is divided into before the news and after the news. He said, last night, Brenda and I were sitting on the sofa in the hospital room, reflecting on some before happenings in our lives. And I said, don't you just wish that we could go back and resume life where we left it 12 days ago, but live from that moment forward with the same awareness of life's value that it has now? We both shed a few tears before I said, so what do we do now? And without hesitating, Brenda replied, we live the life we have left with this new reality of the true gift that life really is. Friends, isn't that the message of Easter? Isn't that how we all ought to live after the news of the resurrection? Jesus said to the disciples earlier in John's gospel, I have come so that you might have life and have it abundantly. And just when they thought that the fullness of life was gone forever and that the story was over, that's when Jesus surprised them best. So in what ways do you and I need to be reminded this morning that the story we're telling ourselves may not, in fact, be the rest of the story? You see, we can tell ourselves the story that we are unloved and unlovable. But the surprise of Easter is that Jesus loves us with the most overwhelming love we could imagine. Love that was powerful enough to defeat death and love that will never let us go. We can tell ourselves the story that the grief and the pain will never end. But the surprise of Easter is that even though scars remain, new life is all around us, even in places where we least expect it to show up. We can tell ourselves the story that our doubts are too great for this whole resurrection thing. But the surprise of Easter is that if Jesus could handle Peter's doubts at the empty tomb, he can absolutely handle ours too. We can tell ourselves the story that death is the end and that it's over. But the overwhelming surprise of Easter is that death never gets the final word. Because I'm convinced, as the Apostle Paul once wrote, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ultimately, when you and I are tempted to believe that we already know the rest of the story, Friends, the resounding words of Easter are not yet. And so may you and I live each day, each moment, in hopeful expectation of the God who always surprises. 
the God whose stories are so much greater than any of the ones we could ever write for ourselves, the God who is always up to things that are bigger and better than we could possibly ever imagine. You see, it's true that John's Easter story begins with the words, while it was still dark. But thanks be to God, that's not where this story ends. Because as long as God is a God of surprises, then the final word of Easter will always be hope. And so, God, I ask that this Easter morning you would fill us with a hopeful expectation in the God who always surprises us, even when we least expect it. Even when we think there is no good news for us this day, God, you are still there in the empty tomb because you have risen. God, wherever we find ourselves as we approach that empty tomb this morning, challenge us to be a people who are not only open to, but hopeful and expectant toward your surprises in our life and in the world around us. God, give us strength for this day and hope for tomorrow. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today and you've heard this good news that Jesus defeated death and was raised to new life. Not only that we might have life, but have it abundantly. Maybe you are ready to respond to the surprise of that very first Easter morning. Or maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to know and follow Jesus together, living as Easter people in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you and our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, some of our ministers will be in the back to receive you and pray with you as we continue in worship. Sweet to hold 
Almighty God, in our pain, illness, and suffering, we remember your son's death on the cross. We are overcome with sadness and despair. We are overwhelmed. Yet on the third day, up from the grave, he arose. His resurrection gives us hope. Amid our pain and sorrow, his victory over sin and death gives us strength and purpose. O Lord, fill us with your joy this Easter. O God, fill us with the redemptive power of your love and your resurrection. Amen.
This morning is a baptism Sunday, and what better way could we end an Easter service than through baptism? As is our tradition here at Calvary, we invite the children to come forward, and if you all would come and gather here with me at the front, uh, the boys and girls are going to go up and get the front row stand. Come on, boys and girls. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get to be right on the front so you can see best. And then as we sing, we're going to all come up and uh, get as close as we can to the baptistry area. So we're just going to kind of press this direction. So once we start singing, you just come right on up and join us at the front. But give the boys and girls a chance to get on up here first and get the front seat. So come right on up. He is Lord. He is Lord. family, it is my great joy this morning to introduce you to Jada Fulton. Jada is a fifth grader at Woodgate Intermediate School. She is a sister, a daughter, a granddaughter, a swimmer, and a faithful friend. Jada is someone who loves the Lord, and we are so glad to be with her this morning. But Jada, the most important thing I could say about you this morning is that you are a beloved child of God. Jada stands before us to announce that she has decided to follow God as her Lord and to walk in the way of Jesus Christ. We are so excited and could not be happier to baptize you this Easter Sunday as an example of Christ's death and resurrection for all of us. And now Jada's dad, Jamie, will read her testimony for us. These are Jada's words. I've always had an idea who Jesus is, but I learned who he really is when I started to listen to the church sermons. When I first listened, I thought he was so incredibly powerful that he was more than any human could ever be. About a month later, I decided to put my faith in Jesus. For me, when you follow Jesus, it is telling him that you want to be like him, and it is letting Jesus into your heart, believing in him. Church has always played an important role in my life. 
I can still remember some of the songs from church in Massachusetts. Some of my strongest Massachusetts memories are going to church and being at church. I can remember... <laughs> I can still remember the projector projecting the lyrics on the big wide screen. We may not have a big screen at our church, <laughs> but we do love to sing. Not only has it been a place for music and worship, it has been like a second home and family. There have been many people, places, and experiences that have helped me through my journey to knowing God. Some people who have helped me are my mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, Sunday school teachers, Ms. Sherry, and friends like Katie Eggleston. Some places that have helped me are my church and home. Some experiences that I have gone through that have helped me are going to church and being read Bible verses when I was little. They have stuck with me. Some of the Bible verses that have been significant in my faith journey are Luke 3, 21 through 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. This reminds me that Jesus was baptized too. The second Bible verse is 2 Corinthians 12:9. Jesus said to me, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. I learned this Bible verse last year at Passport. This Bible verse was really comforting to me through hard times. For me, getting baptized means I get to show my Calvary family that I am a follower of Christ and want to be like him. Jada, what is your profession of faith? Jesus is Lord. Based on your profession of faith, Jada, it is my great joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in a brand new way of life. <laughs> Jada, you are a child of God, and you are our sister in the family of Christ. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Spirit fill you and use you as salt and light in this world to the glory of God. And now, Jada, the Calvary family has some special words we would like to share with you. With joy, with joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and help you know and follow Christ. And so, Calvary family, may we live each day in hopeful expectation of the God who always surprises, because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.
Go now in peace. Amen.